Hello and welcome to the Hello Taekwondo podcast, the podcast for passionate martial artists. I'm your host, Josh DeBerardinas. Our guest today is the owner of Plano Taekwondo America here in Plano, Texas, a school she opened at only 18 years old. She's now been open for over two years, having spent that time overcoming obstacles, learning new skills, and gaining new perspectives. She shares with us what that experience was like and offers some advice to any young martial artist looking to follow their dreams in opening a school of their own. It's a pleasure to introduce you guys to Miss Amanda Sullivan. Miss Sullivan, how are you doing today? Thank you for coming on the podcast. Doing great. Thanks for having me. So you opened up a school at 18 years old. That's what we're here to talk about, the trials and tribulations of going through all of that at what some would consider such a young age. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So what was that like? Um, it was kind of crazy. It still is a little bit crazy. Um, it has been a ton of fun. It's super scary. I think, um, honestly, it happened faster than I was even expecting. Um, I didn't even really mean to open when I did. Like, <laughs> I, I knew I was going to open soon and I was interested. But um, actually, in my senior year of high school, I was just excited. And I was at a martial arts conference. Um, and I emailed a realtor while I was at the conference and just said, you know, Hey, I'm just interested in, I want to see what kind of locations are available in the Plano area. I hadn't looked at anything. I didn't really know what price range I was looking in. I just wanted information. And she responded super fast while I was still there and was like, I've got a couple spots. Um, I'll get some, uh, some, I'll get it set up so that we can go and look at them. And I went and looked like a week after I got back from the conference, still in high school. I have no idea what I thought I was doing. Um, and the very first location that I looked at, I fell in love with. And I decided, you know, there's no way anybody picks the first place they look at. You don't buy the first house you look at. And I looked at a bunch of other spots and none of them were as good as the original one. And so I wanted to go ahead and get it locked down before somebody else uh, took it. And so I kind of accidentally stumbled into opening. <laughs> accidentally um, opened a Taekwondo school. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I mean, it was in the plans, but a little faster than I had planned on. Um, and so I was negotiating the lease and, um, you know, getting all that figured out while I was still in high school. I was 17. We actually had to um, wait on signing the lease. We tried to put it off as far as possible so that I could sign it at 18. Um, and we didn't make it. We signed the wanted us to get the lease signed and so uh the lease was signed in february and my uh, mom had to sign it because i didn't turn 18 until march wow so it was the next month but they couldn't wait to, right well we, we had been negotiating that since like the october before oh my gosh that's yeah. that's pretty far back um and so i'm just curious to know is it still in your mom's name or do you transfer that over the landlord knew going into it um kind of what the situation was and that why I couldn't sign. And so um, since then, we've gone back and he's let us change the name over. Okay. And, and that's really interesting Interesting to me that um, the landlord was just like, yeah, sure. Oh, you're 17. Okay, come on in. Because I, I just feel like my, my gut reaction, my gut instinct would tell me they'd be like, mm, I don't know about this. It's kind of skeptical. It seems risky from a business, uh, like a landlord perspective. I was worried about that too. Um, and I got really lucky with the landlord that I have. I spent a long time um, before I opened writing a pretty intense business plan um, with a lot of extra details. And so when I reached out to the landlord and said I was interested in the space, I sent that over to him. And he actually said, 
that the business plan is the reason why he considered um, letting me lease the space was because it seemed like I had really thought it out and um, it seemed like a good plan. So I just got lucky that he was willing to take a risk on me. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's some good advice then for maybe anybody else who's thinking about opening a school is uh, write a business plan. Don't just show up and expect to wing it. Exactly. So it was, um, what year did you officially open? I opened in 2017, um, October 2017. Okay. All right. So then you, uh, so it's been what, two and a half years, three years? Almost exactly two and a half years. Okay. So um, after signing the lease, what was that process like afterwards? Um, And what are some of those steps that people might not realize go into opening up a Taekwondo school? The biggest shock to me was... um, the build out process. Um, the space that I got was a first generation space. And so it had never been built out before. It was just a concrete box. Um, it didn't have plumbing or air conditioning or anything wired. Um, and so I learned what it's like to build out a space. And I learned a lot about construction that I had nothing, I had no idea about. Um, there were a lot of questions that contractors were asking me, what kind of Um, stuff did I want in the walls and what kind of hardware did I want on the doors and what color did I want the grout to be in the tile? And I was like, I didn't even know grout came in multiple colors. (laughs) Um, so that was a big learning curve, um, walking into a huge warehouse with tile in it and them telling me to pick the one I want on my floors when there's thousands of options. I was like, how, what, how am I supposed to know what I want? We're actually here in your school now, and I can say I, I think you picked a good one. I like your tile a lot. Well, thank you. Um, that was my biggest fear going into it was just with the build-out process was picking out all these things, and I had no idea how they were going to look when they actually went in the school. Oh, I Your school looks amazing. Um, just, you know, the aesthetic of it, I think it looks really good. It's got a nice, clean, like, modern feel to it. So, if anything, I think you nailed that part. Well, thank you. At what point do you open the doors and then students, they start flooding in, you know, right? Is that how that works? <laughs> right. No, unfortunately, um, although that is, um, I think a lot of people go into business thinking, okay, I'm here. My doors are open. I'm ready. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> um, and so that was a fun uh, learning curve was just opening and figuring out like, okay, now I have to, I'm here and I've put in all this work to get open and um, and the real job hasn't even started yet, but it was good. I did a, a lot of marketing the summer before I opened. Um, my build out took a lot longer than planned, about eight weeks longer than planned. Oh, um, that's a long time longer. Yeah, I was hoping to open August 1st was my original date. Um, and I didn't end up opening until uh, the first week in October. So it was just the permitting process and all, everything that goes along with the construction was super, super slow. We were waiting weeks for inspectors to be available to come out and look at things. So I had a lot of extra time to uh, to start marketing and looking at um, how I was going to get students in the door. And so probably didn't spend looking back on it as much time as I would have liked. Um, I think I could have done more, uh, but just not really knowing what I was doing and just trying to do the best I could. Um, I did have, I had five people on my first day uh, that came into class with me. So that was exciting. Um, I was worried on the first day. I was like, okay, I'm open. What if nobody shows up on the first day? Like, what <laughs> You're is standing that? in your Taekwondo school and you're like ready to go. You're kind of like twiddling your thumbs. Like, oh, any moment now, here they come. Exactly, exactly. And so it was really exciting that first day to have five students um, walk in the door and do class and get signed up with me. So um, you know, it grew after that. Um, and I, the, I'm still learning about marketing and 
and how do you get new students? I think it, it all changes so fast that there's no way you figure it out and just stick with one thing forever. Um, but, but yeah, when I first opened, that was the first hurdle after getting the door open was figuring out, okay, now I'm here. How do I let other people know I'm here? What's next? Because I feel like there's either one or two parts that people don't realize about opening up a school is that, you know, after you sign the lease, there's a lot of work to be done in the space uh, to get it ready to have, you know, martial arts classes. But then I think that uh, some people also, they get to that point, you know, day one, they open the door and then it's not what they always expect. (laughs) Never ending obstacles is basically running a business. I think those are synonyms. Right. <laughs> running a business and never ending obstacles are basically the same phrase. Right. Just, yeah. Figuring out how to jump through hoops. Uh, what were some of the biggest obstacles that you faced and like, how did you overcome those? So one big obstacle um, was my age. Being so young, there were a, a lot of people and probably more people that, you know, I kind of made it up in my head that that were weary because I was so young. Um, I was always worried that I wasn't going to be taken seriously or that I wasn't going to be the school that somebody chose because, um, you know, because they were taking a big risk on trusting somebody who's um, basically a kid themselves to, to teach them, to teach other adults or to teach their kids. And so um, I was really worried about that. Um, But surprisingly, I haven't, I have not experienced a single student who has, um, questioned my age or questioned if I had been doing it long enough to, uh, to be able to teach them or anything like that. Um, but that was a big hurdle kind of in my own mind trying to get over is being, being 18 and, and trying to compete with people who had, you know, were 30 and 40 and had been doing this for years. Right. I mean, I I can imagine that same thought process going on in my head, you know, to open a school because you look at some school owners and, you know, they're established. They've been doing, they've been, they've opened and they've been open for 10, 20, 30 years of running a Taekwondo school. So it's really easy um, from that outside perspective to maybe look at them. And, you know, if a parent comes in, they're like, I don't know who you're talking to because this is my school and it's been like this for 25 years um, that you don't have that same kind of feeling of authority maybe um, when you are a bit younger or when you do first open. So I, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Now, did you, I think, did you recently tell me that, um, you owed some bit of taxes that you didn't even know that you owed? Oh, yes. Constantly. (laughs) I, since I opened, have found new things that I have to pay that nobody tells you about ahead of time. Um, I get, a letter or something in the mail that's like, okay, here's this thing for this year that you have to pay. And it's something brand new that I've never heard of. And I just wonder, like, I don't know, is there a list somewhere? Like, where do I find this information? Um, but yeah, taxes and, you know, all the different levels, paying taxes to the city and taxes to uh, the state and then federal taxes. And then, you know, there's just sales tax and property tax. And it's just funny all that stuff that I just really don't completely understand. And so there's, it seems like every time I think, okay, I've officially got the list. I know when, you know, each thing monthly, quarterly, yearly, whatever it is, is due. And then, uh, and then I find a new one (laughs) (laughs) that I'm like, Oh, this is strange that I've been open for two and a half years and I've never paid this before. It's a, it's like a really 
depressing Easter egg hunt. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's just one more egg and one more egg. And yeah. What do you know now that you wish you'd known before? Probably the biggest thing is just um, kind of being comfortable being yourself and knowing that you're not going to be the perfect option for every customer and that that's okay and that's not necessarily their fault or your fault. Um, I think in the beginning when you're really trying to get new students and you're trying to get enough people to just pay the bills and um, you're trying to make the perfect experience for every student and you learn as you go that um, you're not necessarily the right school for every student. Um, And so just being comfortable offering the program that you want to offer and knowing that there are going to be enough people that want that product that you're offering um, and that they're going to be the ones that are happiest in your school anyways uh, long-term and they're going to be the ones that make you the happiest to have in your school. Um, So that's probably the biggest thing is at the beginning, you're just kind of chasing people trying to change the program or change the classes or, um, you know, change your personality to fit every single student and realizing that you just teach the way that you want to teach and run your business the way you want to run your business and the people who like that um, will stick around and the people that don't will find a school that's doing whatever they're looking for so how do you do that how do you go about (laughs) making or like did you have an idea in your head when you started of this is the kind of program that I want it to be or do you evolve into that over time it has definitely evolved I think I went into it with an idea of what it was going to be like um you know having come from um, a school and liking the culture there and thinking, okay, well, that's just what a Taekwondo school is like. And, and maybe not realizing the work that it took for that school to get to the culture that it had and the environment that it was. Um, and so, you know, I actually got advice from, um, my instructor, Mr. Anderson, um, a couple months in when I was kind of doing that thing that I mentioned earlier, chasing people and trying to kind of change it to fit and, you know, asking him for advice, you know, what do I do? I feel like I've done everything I can for this person. Um, and he gave me some really good advice, which is like you, whatever culture and rules you want in place in 10 years, that's what you need to start now because the people that are there now either will hopefully be here in 10 years or the people that are there in 10 years will have learned the culture from whoever's there now. Um, and so things like just having rules, like, um, one example I can think of was a student that was consistently late and, you know, I had a rule just like at my former school that if you're more than 10 minutes late, you can't join class. And, um, I had a student that I had reminded several times and, um, and I finally one day, you know, the 10th or 11th time said, okay, I'm sorry, today's the day. Like I've given you a lot of warnings and, and you're, you've missed half the class at this point, you know, you're 25 minutes late to a 45 minute class. I'm sorry, you can't join. And, and they quit and they were really mad and they were yelling at me in the lobby. And I called Mr. Anderson and he was like, you know, it, it sucks for that one person and it's hard and nobody wants to experience that, especially, I think that was like one month after I opened. Oh, wow. It's pretty um, early on. Right. And, and he, but he was like, you'll be better off for having that rule set because every parent in the lobby that watched that now knows that you take your rules seriously and you're not going to have to fight with them over every little detail because they get it. Um, so just, that's just one example of kind of the culture, but. Um, well, it's gotta be hard. I mean, when you're first opening, cause you don't want to 
feel like you're scaring away students or driving them away and you're like, I kind of I kind of need and want every possible student that I can get. And so I, that's definitely got to be a tough decision to make to say, hey, I'm enforcing this. I'm standing my ground, even if it even if you know that it's going to cause them to maybe look elsewhere for a different program. Exactly. That was my that was my fear is I was worried that when I told that student and that parent that they couldn't join class, that there was going to be a bad reaction. And there was. Um, and funny enough, um, they came back a couple months later and signed back up and were with me for years. <laughs> did they really? They like came two back? Years. Yeah, they did. Um, and were they still late? <laughs> um, they were not. Oh. Um, which is, you know, that just goes to show the advice that I got from Mr. Anderson was good because, um, you know, it, it sucked in the moment and uh, it was a bad day, um, definitely. But long term, they came back. They jumped into the culture that I was trying to set. Um, the rest of the students that were there that day understood how seriously I, you know, take the rules and the rules are there for a reason. And so um, I think it, it in general was a positive thing for my school's culture. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, that that sounds like it really helped, especially if they came back. I mean, you thought you were losing that student and then they came back with an attitude check. maybe, yes. And so now they're ready to, you know, be a an active participating member of the school. How do you build that culture from the beginning. I mean, I, I guess we kind of already talked about it of like setting to those rules, but there are other, you know, those more intangible aspects of like a school's culture. And how do you go about working on building that from the beginning when you don't have any precedent, you don't have a culture of students already there? Right. Um, it's hard and it's weird um, to experience uh, teaching in a school that doesn't feel the same as the school that you came from and the school that you're trying to get to. Um, but people, you know, they kind of jump on board pretty quickly. They're excited to be there. And, um, you know, the first group is the hardest kind of, um, you know, building the the main crew that's kind of going to kind of help you set your culture. But it's just, you know, being myself, finding people that like to be in the school around me, you know, having a positive environment. Everybody builds each other up. You know, I love having classes where you know, the parents are just excited, just as excited to see each other in the lobby as the kids are to see each other on the workout floor. Um, and once that starts, um, you know, it just kind of continues. I'll never forget maybe six or eight months into owning the school. I had an adult, uh, student come try class. And after class, I had three or four adults that were in class that were talking to him in the lobby you know, building up the program, talking about how great it was, asking him when he was coming back to try his next class, you know, exchanging phone numbers and telling them about things they were doing outside of the school. And like, I, I'll never, I'll, I'll never forget that day because that was like the first experience that I had where it felt like the culture that I was trying to build, where everybody was super positive and, you know, they were excited that somebody new was joining the group and they were inclusive and, um, and that was a really cool day. And so ever since then, you know, you've got that main group and once that kind of vibe is in your school um you know they've just kind of continued it they've added new people and the new people are bringing new people and um it's kind of grown from there but a new student comes in and now you've got your parents in your lobby selling your program you can just sit back and just watch them work their magic you know right exactly if you could do it all over again knowing what you know now what would you do differently that's a great question um Well, I mentioned this a little bit before, but I would definitely, um, there's more preparing that I could have done. Um, I feel like I spent a lot of time, especially during the build out phase, 
you know, just waiting, kind of twiddling my thumbs and being excited to open, but just waiting on the whole slow build out process. Um, thinking that I had done everything that I could do. And then like the weekend before I opened, I was like, there was a million things that I was like, man, I could have been doing all this buying supplies for my desk. Um, you know, going ahead and printing out the schedules, getting the, um, marketing stuff put together, get, you know, having uniforms in stock and organized the way I wanted them shirts printed, you know, just stuff like that that I didn't realize I could do before I opened. I just didn't think about it. Right. Um, it wasn't on your radar because you were thinking about, you know, getting to that open door. Then you exactly tackle all of that. Exactly. And so doing that stuff earlier, I think um, I would do that differently. Um, but honestly, beyond that, um, not much. Maybe going into the school, uh, owning the school, um, with the perception that it was going to be, um, a lot easier than it is, you know, not expecting, you know, that it's, it's a business. It's not, it's not just like, you know, teaching Taekwondo classes like I was doing before. And, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole other job outside of just teaching the classes. You know, that's the fun part is getting right. to teach the classes and hang out with the students and do it's Taekwondo. It's not all, it's not all that. Right. And just realizing it took me a bit early on to realize like, okay, my classes don't start till four, but I should probably be at my school by eight or 9 AM. You know, there's a, a full day of work to do before classes start. And, you know, 12 hour days when you first open are not um, unusual. And I think all of that was pretty shocking. I feel like that's what people don't realize um, who maybe if they don't, if they own a business, they know if, if you're a small business owner, you know, um, but maybe some of the parents think like, oh, I'd love to open up a Taekwondo school. You just come in at four o'clock and then you leave at eight and they don't realize all of the hours behind the scenes that are happening. Even my uh, my own mom, when I first brought up the idea that I wanted to um, open a school and, you know, I didn't go to college. Um, um, and when I brought up the idea of opening a school before college, my mom really believed that it was a cop out, that that was me trying to take the easy way out and, you know, was just burnt out on school and didn't want to go to college and um, and thought, well, this is an easy option. I'll just go teach Taekwondo classes um, every day. And she actually came back to me about a year in and said, you know, I just want to apologize because I was wrong. And this is a, a huge job and not a cop out and a lot more work than I had realized. Um, and so it, it's just funny, you know, I had been a part of, you know, Taekwondo for 10 years at that point, And she had no idea the work that was going into the school that I was at right. and the work that would go into me owning a school. Um, and so I imagine that there are a lot of um, like students' parents now that don't understand that. Even oh, yeah. I didn't understand that having worked at a school and right. seen some of that <laughs> other stuff, I didn't even know what exactly I was getting myself into until I was here. Now, you mentioned about not going to college. Um, and what would you recommend to somebody who is in the same space, the same situation, maybe looking to open up a school? Because I wonder if maybe some of the stuff that it feels like you had to kind of learn along the way, if that's something that maybe you could pick up in just even like a couple years, even if someone just did like a local like community college, you know, just like an associate. Is that something that you'd maybe recommend to somebody or what are your thoughts on that? I think it really depends on the person. And um, for me, I think I made the right choice. 
Um, I knew what I wanted to do, but I don't think that's the case for everybody. Um, I think college is really good for a lot of people. I'm certainly not anti-college or anything like that. Some of the stuff that I mentioned, like the taxes and stuff like that, um, I think that you, I could definitely could have done a better job of, um, you know, taking a course, you know, an online course or, you know, watching a seminar or, you know, maybe taking one or two college classes even, but, um, just the idea for me, I was thinking I could spend that money on, on college and come out with a lot of debt, um, and then have to get another job and figure out how I was going to save to open a school, or I could take that same money and open my school. And so, um, that's why I did it the way I did it. I, I guess everyone's different, right? Check, do the best option for you. It might be uh, going right to opening up a school. If you've had some experience like working in and around Taekwondo schools and you understand a little bit about that business and you've got good mentors with you, but um, don't necessarily think that you shouldn't or can't do college if you feel like that's the right option for you to get that that base level of understanding. Absolutely. Well, And I spent um, a good bit of time um, learning just in different ways. Um, I, the year before I opened, the two years before I opened, um, I went and interned at several Taekwondo schools, um, in the area. I worked at, um, four other schools beyond the one that I had been working at for years, um, and just learned the way that they did things, learned how they structured their classes, how they handled their employees, how they signed up new students, what their front desk, um, policies looked like, how they, I mean, just everything, how they ran their school and took notes and compared the schools. And, you know, I took bits and pieces from each school, the things that I liked, the things that I didn't like to kind of put it together and um, and build the way I was going to run my school. And so for me, that was kind of my version of college is, you know, I just went and kind of lived real world what it looks like to run a school. Um, I was super lucky that so many school owners were so willing to invite me into their school and tell me everything. Um, you know, they all kind of pulled back the curtain and there were no questions that they wouldn't answer. Um, they showed me how they did everything from billing to, um, signing up new students to running the class to, uh, dealing with a concerned parent, whatever it is. And, you know, so I just got really lucky, um, in that case, the mentors and the spending time in other schools was a huge piece. Anyone who's looking to open up a school should, I would highly recommend that they do what you did to the best that they can is visit other schools, spend a significant amount of time at those schools if you can, and just understand how that school operates because you might not realize that that's how you want your school to operate. Even if you, you know, pull seven different ideas from seven different martial arts schools to build your own unique vision that is a little bit from everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. I took something from every school that I went to. Um, you better go bring I, it back. You better bring now. it back to the school. Whatever yeah. you took. Pens. What was it? <laughs> uh, yeah. Pens. Uh, uh, marketing flyers. Um, all that stuff. <laughs> you know, having taught Taekwondo classes and, and trained kids for years, I didn't realize how different it was going to be when they were my own students. Um, you know, having taught every single class that they had been to and watching kids um, go to testing and succeed, watching kids struggle with something and overcome it, um, even not completely, you know, martial arts, having, you know, discipline problems, self-control problems or whatever, bullying at school um, and and being able to help them through it and seeing them come out and get a positive outcome at the end. Um, that has been huge. Uh, something that I didn't, 
I didn't expect would be such a big deal. Um, another story that I'll never forget, and this was not that long ago, um, one of my very first students that has been with me for a long time had to take a break um, because, unfortunately, his mom got cancer. Oh. Um, and so they were just didn't have the time to get him here. And so um, he was gone for uh, several months, and he came back. Um, and his first class back, I'll never forget. He, we were about 20 minutes into class and I had pulled him off to the side, just the two of us to kind of help him with his form and get him caught back up on some of the stuff he had missed. And he said, uh, I'm so happy to be back here. It feels like I came home. Oh, and I was like, Whoa, that's huge. Like even right now, like it makes me tear up a little bit because, um, it was kind of cool to see, um, that you affect a kid's life like that. And I think that's one of the great pleasures of doing this kind of business, like a Taekwondo school. But not every business has that opportunity to really affect and like impact people's lives. And and there's kids right. that that you know, like like he said, coming to the Taekwondo school is like coming home for a lot of them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it certainly was for me as a kid. And so it was just kind of it was a really cool feeling to hear that. Um, a kid was experiencing that same thing at my school. And maybe that feeling like you've made it. Like, you know, I, right. I, I made it here. I did it. I got to the point where somebody likes coming here so much that it feels like it's home. Right. Exactly. What is some advice that you would give to martial artists, maybe young martial artists that are looking to open up schools? Maybe they're teenagers. Maybe they're a young adult and they have those aspirations of opening up a school. What advice would you tell them? Um, take every opportunity um, do as much as you can be in the room with, um, other school owners and instructors as much as you can. You know, it's kind of the whole basis for this podcast that you're doing. You know, you put two, um, martial artists in the same room and no matter how hard they try, they can't not talk about Taekwondo. Hey, that's what the um, podcast is. Look it, at that. <laughs> exactly. And it, it's true. You know, sit in a room with instructors and school owners and I guarantee, I mean, you could be taking notes about all the stuff that they're talking about. Um, it, there's always a learning opportunity. You know, when you're at events, at testing, at tournaments, at conference, you know, not just going to the event and then leaving and, you know, and doing, you know, your own thing, but finding where are the school owners hanging out and just listening to them talk when they're hanging out socially. It's, you're learning so much about running a Taekwondo school and being an instructor um, constantly. So just, being around school owners as much as you can, um, listening to them talk, um, attending as many events as you can go to, and being involved when you're there. Um, Mr. Anderson gave me another great piece of advice. When I was a level one instructor, I was, I think, 10. Um, you know, I had just gotten my black belt, and I was uh, riding with him to a tournament, and he told me, I asked him why he goes so early to the tournaments. The judges meeting was at like eight o'clock and he was planning on getting there at seven fifteen. And I was like, why do you go so early? And he said, because you want to be the first one in the room and the last one out. Mm -hmm. He was like, you know, you should start that now. Be the first person in the room, work all day long and be the last person out. Um, and, you know, I've tried to take that advice and it's amazing the things that you hear and see and learn, you know, before and after the event when there aren't that many people there yet. Um, so just being around people, doing as much as you can, spending as much time as you can, attending everything. I couldn't agree more with that. Um, martial artists, especially uh, school owners, are some of the most passionate people that I know. 
you first need to you know dip your toes in the water enter that world you're not going to jump in and then be a school owner and then meet other school owners right you're going to need to start building those connections as soon as possible um just taking advantage of that you know starting with just let your instructor know you might be interested and let them connect you with um those people that are are waiting for um anybody who's excited and interested so that they can help them yeah i guess that'd probably be step one just talk to your instructor mention it say hey i'm thinking about i may i might want to open up a school and they'll i'm sure your instructor could give you hours of advice on what they've done right and wrong and what you should consider to see if it really is the right option for you i think it's just getting it um getting it right in your head that you know it's a it's a big commitment and it's more than a full-time job um but it's so worth it um the the positives far outweigh the negatives um you know it's it's the most fun job on the planet i tell people all the time you know i'm two and a half years in and i still have moments where i it just kind of hits me like i can spend the rest of my life doing this and it's it's the coolest thing ever um so just being ready for you know, it's the most rewarding job I can imagine. Um, but also it's a lot of work and not every day is a walk in the park and, and fun, but, um, but there are so many days that are, uh, just a blast. And, and so going, just going into it, knowing, you know, I'm going to work my butt off and it's going to be hard. Um, but once I accomplish it, you know, it's, it's worth it. It's well worth the work. Miss Sullivan, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. And a big thank you to our Hello Taekwondo podcast listeners. Thank you guys for listening to the show today. If you enjoyed it, I'm going to invite you to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. I had mentioned before that we were not yet on Apple Podcasts, but because of dedicated listeners like you listening and subscribing and commenting, we have now made it onto Apple Podcasts. So you guys, if you listen to podcasts on Apple Podcasts, head on over there, subscribe to the show, leave a comment, leave a review. It really helps out the show. And remember, you can also get these episodes at hellotaekwondo.com where you can sign up to get each new episode delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, guys. Keep kicking, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Hello Taekwondo podcast.